the scripture reading and the text for this morning is Psalm 146. And you'll be able to find that on page 722 of your pew Bible. Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man in whom there is no help. His spirit departs, he returns to his earth, in that very day his plans perish. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind, The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and the widow, but the way of the wicked he turns upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. So far, the word of God. beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Today is New Year's Day, and we're beginning it in worship. What a more fitting way could you begin a new year in. Yesterday was an opportunity for us as the year drew to a close to look back on the past year, and we were able to reflect on the many blessings that the Lord has poured out so richly on us. As a congregation, families have come and they've gone, but ultimately the Lord has blessed our church family with much growth. In the past year alone, we can see that. Seven of those being babies who were born into the church. We've also seen spiritual growth. We've had the privilege of seeing the fruit of Bible studies, of life renewal, of catechism classes, and of personal interactions between congregation members. We've seen the answer of the prayers of the congregation, those prayers which have gone up regularly to the Lord. And we've seen that most recently and most joyfully in the safe arrival of Athenaise and Denise and their children here in Canada. We've also seen it with regards to the many, many other prayers which have gone up before the Lord this past year. And we've also had the opportunity to reflect on the sorrows which God has carried us through and perhaps is still carrying us through. The effects of the sins that we've committed or that people have committed against us. The pain that comes with setbacks emotionally, spiritually, mentally, or physically. Perhaps we've experienced prayers that were not answered in the way that we wanted them to be answered, or the loss of a loved one or a friend this past year. In all of that, however, we've still been able to experience the hand of the Lord carrying us through these times. 
We may not have been able to see it at the time, but we do know that he was there. He was carrying us through, even on the most difficult days. And now, today, we have the opportunity to look forward. We don't know what this coming year will bring. But we do know that we have a fresh new year full of opportunities lying ahead of us. Now, if you are like many in Canada today, you may have decided to make some New Year's resolutions to try to make the most of those opportunities that lie ahead. But if you're looking back on your own track record, then you know it might be difficult to keep those resolutions. Statistically speaking, only about 9% of people who make these resolutions achieve them. Is it realistic to look to the future with any hope that things will change? Is there any hope? Well, today we'll look forward to this coming year through the lens of this psalm. And we'll be reminded once again under that theme, happy is the one whose hope is the Lord. And we'll see in the first two verses how this is a bold claim on the part of the psalmist. Verses 3 and 4, how he directs us where not to put our trust. And then 5 to 7, where to put our trust And then finally, the last part of verse 7 to 10, the confidence that we can gain from that. Our psalm opens with these words. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. The opening words of this psalm, praise the Lord, can be summarized under the Hebrew word, that famous Hebrew word, hallelujah. It's one of a group of psalms, this psalm is one of a group of psalms called the hallelujah psalms that's found at the close of this book. Hallel meaning meaning a joyful praise and song, a boasting with joy and praise, delighting in the person who's on the receiving end of it. Hallelujah. Yah. Yah is the short form for the name Yahweh, the covenant name of God. Yahweh is the name that God gave his people to remind them that he is a God of relationships. He has chosen to build a relationship with his people, to call them his people in a special way, and to be called their God. He reminds them that he's not just a distant God of immense power and majesty. And he reminds us today as well, he's not just this distant God of immense power and majesty, the creator of the whole universe, but he is our God. He is the God who has set his love upon his people. This concept of the Lord in capital letters meaning this is one that's pretty familiar to most of you today. But I want you to take special note of it as we move our way through the psalm today. Because it's this part of God's character that he wants to draw his attention to time and time again throughout this psalm. He highlights it. So the writer of the psalm is first calling all of that to mind as he begins with this word. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise Yahweh. 
Praise the one who for no reason other than his own good pleasure chose to love us. But then he goes on and he says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the covenant God, I tell myself. That's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? You're telling yourself to praise the Lord. Looking back on this past year, there may have been many times in which we've had to remind ourselves to do this, actually, if we think about it. Life goes up and down, and so do our feelings. And this is often especially true when it comes to our walk with God. There are times when we need to tell ourselves, you know what? Self? Life is difficult, it's true. But take a second, take a step back. Let go of everything else, of your cares and worries for a moment, and remember that this Lord is your covenant God, the one who's established a relationship with you. Self, praise the Lord. In the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, there's a heading that suggests that Haggai and Zechariah were the co-authors of this psalm. Now, maybe there's truth to that, and maybe there's not. There's not enough proof to go, uh, there's not enough proof to know beyond simple tradition, as that heading came pretty long after that psalm was written. But if it was the case, then you can take that into account as well. This would have been written in a time that the Israelites were in exile, and they were going through a difficult time. They themselves were often looked down on and their message was rejected. And so for them, they needed to remind themselves of this very same thing that we are reminding ourselves of today. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Self-praise our covenant and faithful God. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? It's a good reminder as we head into the new year, to take a step back from our situation and to continue to praise God because it's good for the soul to do so. But whoever authored this psalm doesn't stop there. What follows? We read, While I live, I'll praise the Lord. I'll sing praises to my God while I have my being. Now, how can it be possible to have that assurance? Is it realistic to think that we'll remain steadfast and faithful in God? I will sing praises to God for as long as I have my being? And yet, here we find the psalmist saying, I will praise the Lord. Self, I am telling you that it doesn't matter how difficult life will get, how uncertain life will get, I'm telling myself that I will celebrate God as long as I live. This is a sign of someone who is willing to look beyond his own experiences, not worshiping God for what he personally gets out of it, but worshiping God for who he is. And you don't need to be in a good place for that. God allows you to come to him no matter what the situation is. And even the darkest hours of your life, in the hours filled with the most sorrow, you can tell yourself to step back and just praise the Lord for who He is. For just a little while, as you 
are reminding yourself who the Lord is. You can have the freedom to leave everything at the door. It will be there later, but it'll be there, it will be lighter because you have placed your joy not in that situation's outcome, but you've placed your joy in the Lord. You might be thinking now, okay, well, that's good and well to try and say. And perhaps I can here while I'm in this church building. I can do it by God's grace right now, this morning, as I'm singing songs of worship to God, regardless of whatever else is going on. But how do I keep this up? Maybe you feel at the end of your rope and maybe you're trying to look forward in hopefulness to the future where you want to be more intentional than you've been in the past. But you and I, we see our own weaknesses and we know that we can't trust ourselves to remain stable enough for this. So how can we say with a firm confidence to tell ourselves with a firm confidence that we will celebrate God for as long as we live? Well, to begin with, he tells us, where not to look. Don't put your trust in princes, he says. Now, if you look at the time of the exile, this would have been especially notable because these people who were under the rule of Babylon would have seen how their princes, how their kings had failed them time and time again. And even their governors who were over them wouldn't be able to have much in the way of authority without checking back with Babylon. If Babylon didn't approve of their plans, then they wouldn't find any hope at all. Do not put your trust in princes, he writes. And then he goes on to expand on that. Nor in a son of man in whom there is no help. His spirit departs, he returns to his earth, and in the very days, in that very day, his plans perish. Man is not the place in which you put your trust, he says. And he underscores that with a play on words. You see, in Hebrew, man is the word Adam. Dust or earth is the Hebrew word Adamah. So when God created man, he formed him out of the earth, the Adamah, and therefore named him Adam, or as we say, Adam. He's highlighting how helpless and useless mankind is for those who hang everything on them. Don't put your trust in the son of Adam, in whom there is no help. His spirit departs and he returns to his Adamah, in which day his plans perish. In that very day his plans perish. Trust man, sure, But to put your trust in him, to hang everything on him, is to ask for trouble, the psalmist says. To hang your hopes, your fears, your dreams, and your vision on a man, however powerful or competent, is to hang your hopes on dust. And when he dies, his plans will return to dust as well. And that's true for all of us. In our marriages, you can trust your spouse. But if you hang everything on your spouse and you are expecting them to fulfill all of your hopes and dreams, then you're headed for heartbreak and sorrow. If you are expecting this of your boyfriend or your girlfriend, you're dating them because you want to fill a hole in your life 
and you are busy putting all of your hopes and dreams on them, you're going to be heading into trouble. In the church, we're looking forward to the future. We're considering what we're going to be doing. But in the church, if you hang all of your hopes and fears and visions for the church around your neck, uh, around the neck of the pastor or the elders and the deacons here before you today, you will be disappointed. I can promise you that. If you go into a meeting with a pastor or elder and bring your problems to them and hang all of your hopes on that person fixing you or your situation or becoming your personal savior, you will be let down because mankind is dust. Mankind is not meant to bear the weight of that kind of expectation. Trust those around you and those in authority, those whom you love, Sure, but there is only one place in which you can completely and unconditionally put all of the weight of your hopes and dreams, all of the fullness of your trust in the sense of having the ability to bear that weight of your future expectations. And that comes out in the following verses of the psalm. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help. Man is dust, but happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord alone is able to bear the weight of all our hopes and expectations. And this is true for two reasons, which he lays out here. First, he's the creator of all. And just as he can bring everything around you in this world into existence with the word, so too does he have the power to execute whatever his will is in this world with just a word. He has the power. But more than that, he is the one who is still intimately involved. He didn't just create and stand back, but he keeps his truth forever. He continues to carry out his will in the world. He still upholds you by the power of his hand. And just to remind you exactly of who he is, the psalmist launches into a series of Yahweh statements. Remember again what we saw at the beginning. Lord, in capital letters, is God's covenant name. It's the name that says he is the one who has placed his love on you if you believe in him. It's the very name that applies to you today who believe for the sake of Jesus Christ, his son, who with his blood bought for you a place in God's family. It's this Lord who gives freedom to the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and the widow. But the way of the wicked, he turns upside down. You see good things happening in this world? It's the Lord, Yahweh, your covenant God, who makes this happen. 
The New Testament, James 1 verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. Any good thing that happens in this world is because of the goodness and generosity and faithfulness of your covenant Lord. Any ending of evil that happens, the overturning of the plans of the wicked and their power being torn down around them, that's happened at the command and design of your covenant Lord. So let's bring this full circle again, going back to the declaration made by the psalm writer in verse 1. While I live, I will praise the Lord. Psalm 27 teaches us that one of the best and most beautiful things to desire of the Lord is to want to be near Him. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. But to say that we will be able to commit to being near Him all the days of our lives is not something that we can do on our own. And so we're called to direct our eyes back to this covenant Lord who can make it happen. And so when we make that kind of a commitment before the congregation, we're doing it in faith. Not on the basis of our own strength, but on the basis of the promises of this covenant God. As the New Testament writer, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 1 verse 6, we do this resting on the confidence that he who began a good work in you will complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. We can't do anything on our own. And as we go into this new year, it's good to be reminded of this again. But because God is our covenant God, and because he chose to make a relationship with us and clear the way for us through Christ his Son, we are shown a way in which we can have the confidence that we will still be with the Lord. If we truly have faith in Jesus Christ, we can know, we can know that God won't let us go, that he will be with us, be by our side as we head into this new year, that he will watch over us, and that we can submit all of our plans to Him. This is all wrapped up in God's covenant name, Yahweh, or Lord, in caps, for us who believe today. So with all of that in mind, it leads you to look at these final words in this last verse a little bit differently, doesn't it? With different eyes. Look back to that again with me for a moment. We read there, The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Here the author of the psalm is making a statement of fact. He's saying this covenant God that we were just talking about, who, who does all of these things and who's in control, he reigns forever. He's going to keep on being in control. He draws the attention to God's people to that. He says, your God, O Zion, he reigns to all generations. Zion was the name of God's holy mountain on which the temple stood. And so we can see he's speaking to all of the faithful Israelites who will gather there for worship. He's saying, faithful believers, this God who reigns isn't just God, he is your God. 
He's in control now, and he will be in control forever. In Christ, beloved, this God is your God. This God who reaches out to his people with undeserved love, who brings them from darkness into light and keeps them in the light until the day of Christ's return, this God will bring you home. And so submit this upcoming year to him, whatever your decisions are. Take ownership of your sins where you need to. Repent and find a new beginning in him. Be mindful of his power and his faithfulness. And know that in all things, he is working for your salvation. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen.